0: Are you suffering from back pain? Well, I've got the thing just for you. 15 surefire tips for relieving back pain, plus 192 others just in case, volume one, available at Amazon.com. Over 30 million Americans are suffering with back pain at this very moment. The vast majority of these cases are either caused or exacerbated by common lifestyle factors. Many of the same factors may be causing you pain right now. Join board-certified physician Andrew Kirchner as he guides you through the parts of your life where these problems occur and gives you simple, safe and effective solutions for these common daily pitfalls. In this fun and informative book, you will learn how to identify the aspects of your life which may be causing you pain, how to create a back-friendly environment, how you can improve your pain by improving your sleep, ways to make a pain-free commute how you can perform daily activities without making your pain worse, and much more. Andrew Kirshner is so well respected in the field of back pain relief. He has you know, famous clients such as DJ Jazzy Jeff. He has done many talks and lectures at universities in the UK. He has appeared on QVC, demonstrating back pain relief products, and that is because he is an expert in his field and people trust him. Also, check out the five-star reviews on Amazon.com. This is the book that you need if you suffer from back pain. That's 15 surefire tips for relieving back pain, plus 192 others just in case, Volume 1, available at Amazon.com in paperback. Check the link below the show for more information. Let me put these on real quick. Did you just try a British accent there? Terrible one. How awful is that? It's a, ba- it's a bad accent. Because but it's If you, to if you want to get over to in the so UK, hard. definitely put on that accent every time. Like... Oh, yeah. <laughs> if I want
1: to get over in the
2: UK, I should put on that accent every time. <laughs> no, it's awful. Usually my best UK accent is just like... <laughs> that's pretty much what it is under- that's how you fucking
0: I actually understood all of that that's um oh you understood all that shit. <laughs> oh my God. who does he think he is come around here with his bloody
1: podcast <laughs>
0: Welcome to another episode of TurnChuckle. I hope everyone's doing okay. I know what you're thinking. Like, how many bloody episodes of the wrestling podcast has he done in a row? It's incredible that I've been able to get such great guests. My guest this week, David Starr. He returns to TurnChuckle to discuss, amongst many other things, his match with Pac. This Saturday at uh, the O2 Academy in Newcastle as a part of Defiant Wrestling's Loaded series. Uh, They're going to be returning back to the Academy once a month to uh, film. Uh, show and uh, this is probably you know we, we go into it but certainly one of the uh, most important matches of David Starr's career and Pack returns home to Newcastle it's uh, it's very very exciting um, so yes uh, I want to thank obviously uh, the sponsor Andrew Kirshner, 15 Show Vibe Tips for relieving back pain, it's a real sponsor link below the show uh, if you have everyday back problems please do check it out I do realise that because this is possibly the most like current um, and relevant wrestling show that I may have done so far in terms of like I'm building up a big show that is coming up this week which is why I'm kind of rushing out the show as quickly as possible. Uh, Turnchuckle is generally an old school wrestling podcast. I had a series uh, for a little while with Colin Delaney and we also interviewed David Starr at the time and we talk about when David Starr broke Colin Delaney's face. Um, I've also interviewed guys like Ahmed Johnson, Rick Bogner who was the fake razor Ramon, Sam Houston, Dangerous Danny Davis, Tom Buchanan, the time photographer keith elliott greenberg who's co authored many books uh jameson uh darling castle all kinds of names and um the idea in brian pillman jr most recently in Sylvia vega and the idea is to kind of have fun to kind of not go And this isn't to have a go at other wrestling podcasts, but to kind of go a different route to other podcasts and kind of ask questions that maybe they wouldn't have thought of asking, all that kind of thing. And, you know, feedback has been pretty good and everyone enjoys being a part of the show as well. So I must admit, you know, I know that there may be a lot of um, indie fans listening to this. I'm not very knowledgeable on independent wrestling. My time you know shameless shamelessly is wwf from about 1982 to 1997 i did love the attitude era but it didn't really you know stick with me as i got older sort of thing but i love all the old territories and stuff like that and you know it's kind of maybe a a misunderstood thing about me because i have a large wwf collection that i don't like over wrestling i just you know i watch independent stuff i'm just not very knowledgeable on it and you'll find that out during the course of the podcast but we don't really go down that route we talk about all sorts of things david had a few to drink and it's a very silly show and uh, the um, the internet just cut out a couple of times so we're very shameless about uh, the obvious edits that have to be made during the show as well but it was a case of you know David has been very nice to me over the past uh, few years and I, he just I'm lucky that he enjoys chatting to me about just absolute random shit and uh, but we do talk a lot of wrestling as well we talk about Gene Oakland uh, we talk about you know our views on the production of uh, wrestling shows and um, you know, I, I hope it's food for thought. And you know, I'm sure you probably won't agree with a lot of the things I say. Because again, I I try not to be knowledgeable or smarky in the worst sense of the word. When it's I'm um, you know speaking about things that I don't feel qualified enough to speak about. Um. So yeah, and and it's certainly not a kind of you know it's not aimed to be a smarky show generally. Um. You know, I want to celebrate you know the periods of wrestling that I love and you know David Starr's an old school fan as well so we do talk about a lot of cool and fun things so yes uh, before we get into the interview with David Starr do check out the archives on Podbean or on iTunes where you can subscribe and feel free to leave a review if you think I'm shy just tell us in person I don't mind I can take it uh but you know I don't want to like I don't I don't know if you can delete negative comments, you know, I because it's just reading them every fucking time. You know, I don't want reminders of how shit that I can be as a podcaster. That's the beauty about wrestling podcasts is that or podcasts in general, I've always said anyone can do them and you just have to be passionate about what you're talking about. And you don't even have to be very good if it's just you wanting to do it, you know, with out maybe you just want to get shit off your chest or maybe you just want to nerd out about stuff and you know podcasts are a wonderful thing and if um if you've ever thought about doing it i think you should because it's uh it's well worth doing um so yeah i think that's pretty pretty much it uh, like i say do i uh, pablo's poppin podcast on itunes where i've interviewed uh, besides wrestlers on this show turn chuckle i've interviewed actors authors musicians filmmakers all kinds of people um, feel free to subscribe there are links below the show to buy my music if you like sort of 70s inspired weird pop music and also for the uh, the crowdfunder that I'm doing for creative spaces which is a uh, an um, adult music making community group for adults with special needs and uh we kind of we've applied to the arts council we've received funding but we're going to make another application but they do re- require that we raise 10 percent of it ourselves so that's up for another couple of weeks if you feel that that could be something that is a worthwhile thing it definitely is but maybe maybe you know someone who you know is an adult especially who could benefit from this or if you've had trouble yourself maybe as a carer or someone with a disabled family member who finds it hard to find activities for people because of all, all the cuts that take place uh, because of the fucking Tories um And, you know, whatever. So, you know, I I, I try not to go into politics with David because we do, um, he does talk about politics a lot and so do I, but uh, it does get quite political at the end. So, yes, get ready for a very, very silly but very informative interview with the one and the only David Starr. So, returning to TurnChuckle is, I would say, possibly the fourth best-looking Jewish wrestler in the world, David Starr. The fourth? Well, wait, wait,
2: wait, 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 wait. wait, 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 I mean, I would, I would ask you to stop, stop the recording, re-record that <laughs> intro, but excuse me, who do you rank above
0: me? Actually, no, I I couldn't even think of, thought of a Jewish wrestler. Okay, yeah. okay, okay Bar- yeah, you Barry Horowitz. You just said a number. You, a number. you Bar- think Barry
2: Horowitz is better
1: looking than me?
0: <laughs> he's, he's aged quite well, <laughs> to be fair, um, but. No. I haven't seen, a,
2: I haven't <laughs> seen Barry Horowitz since he was, uh. <laughs> Since he was in on TV, I don't think.
0: Um, well, there's there's Goldberg, um, there's Barry Horowitz, there's Raven, there's Paul Heyman. And you're just
2: naming now, you're just naming Jewish people in wrestling. <laughs>
0: um, and
2: David, Stock? because there's no way, and Cole Cabana, no that okay. you think, There's no way you think Cabana, Cabana's a handsome man. There's no way that you uh, think Paul Heyman and Raven are better looking than me. So, I know that this is ridiculous, and I know that nobody listening or anybody who has eyesight thinks <laughs> that. so. Um, it's all for comic, a comic effect. A lot of yeah. there's like. You know what? Here's here's what I'll give you. Because okay. I'm, I'm, I'm actually, um, I'm actually not, <laughs> not that cocky about it. Uh, but, let's see. Goldberg, I could see, because obviously he's jacked. He has that kind of like badass look. And he's also a bit of a biker. Mm-hmm. So he's got something going for him there. Understandable. Also, I mean, he's Bill Goldberg. Cool. Um, then, let's think. Drew Gulak. A lot of girls love Drew Gulak. Mm-hmm. Um trying to think of some other jewish people in wrestling i mean mjf is hideous uh (laughs) so uh i mean ridiculous looking that mjf guy uh hmm let me think of some other some other jews in wrestling i don't know name name some other jews in wrestling other than the ones you just named is that all we got because we have plenty of
0: more yeah i'm I'm out i'm out of jewish wrestlers now i mean um Anything? There's a list.
2: Every once in a while, you see the list, like the top 10 lists of Jewish wrestlers or something like that.
0: Do you make the list?
2: I don't – about overall, like top 10 Jewish wrestlers, period.
0: Yeah. Well, when you see lists – I think sometimes.
2: Like... Every once in a while. Every once in a while, I do because it's like one of those – it's somebody who's making the list who wants to be like – who wants to be like, oh, let me throw an indie guy in there. Yeah. and seem like I know shit. Uh-huh. You know, like, so <laughs> it's like how PWI always puts like an indie guy in the top 10. Like, because they're always trying to be like, yeah, no, we still like wrestling, but, you know, The Miz is number one.
0: Yeah, I, d- <laughs> <laughs> I did pick up uh, this year's, uh, or last year's PWI, and I I usually go back from 500 to see which is the first wrestler that I've heard of. Um, okay. And I think I got to, I think it was pretty high up. I was quite impressed by it. Um... It was it was a British wrestler, but I I can't remember off the top of my head. But I mean but it wasn't necessarily that I'd saw his match. It was just I'd heard the name. So um, so you that's know, that's that's
2: this one that just came out or the, the one before that? The one that
0: just came out. I'm guessing you're you've gotta be in there, surely.
2: Yeah, this is the first year that I went up in ratings yeah. after a year. Okay. Every other year. So Who
0: um, Who did you I sleep with to get that? For the first one? For yeah. this one. <laughs> for because
2: this one. like the first one. The first one was uh, was <laughs> actually I don't even want to I don't even want to name drop because it could just bring in a whole ah, terrible okay. thing. It wasn't a secret or anything like that. That but basically I was dating somebody mm-hmm. uh, for a very brief period of time that was connected with somebody at PWI, and I was apparently already going to be on the list for my rookie year, but it would have been like way low. Uh-huh. Um, and then this person basically just put me over to to the to. Person at PWI, and then they just kind of were like, "Oh, okay. Well, as a favor, because you're dating this dude, we'll put him somewhere." And then basically, they ended up putting me at 197, <laughs> which was insane, which is ridiculous. I was literally ranked above Jushin Thunder Liger. What? <laughs> um, like, so that's completely ridiculous. So that so every year after that, I went down in ranking, <laughs> I went from I think it was uh, I have it written in my phone. Um, it was like I, actually I might know this off the top of my head. Uh, It was 197, then I was like 210 the next year, Hmm. then I was 245, I want to say, and then I think I was 310, and then I think I went back in the 200s. Actually, I forget all the numbers, but yeah, it was like, but every year up until this one that just came out, I went down.
0: If the person who you're talking about, who I'm thinking is, the first time I had you on the show, I did actually get frets. Um, that you were a guest, and I was like, "Oh, that's I'll take that as a compliment." Um, oh goodness! <laughs> that meant that you were already a heel, though, which is good. So... It, it's hard to fool wrestling fans, so if you just be a heel in real life, then it's easier for people to hate you. But, so... oh, dude,
2: or the worst thing is if you're if you're not a heel in real life, and then in that in in like that situation, wasn't the bad guy, uh-huh. and there's plenty of times like. Where I can easily admit that in a personal life situation, I was like, "Yeah." At the end of the day, if I really add up the score, I was the bad guy there. Um, I can, I can, I can think of that.
1: Mm-hmm. But
2: in that situation, totally babyface, <laughs> totally babyface. Um, well, so
0: s- that, s- no, go for it. Yeah.
2: Well, so, no, go- I was just gonna say. So, like, it sucks that if you're if if I wasn't a heel there, then no matter what, it would come off that way. But I think I think people understood understood what was going on in that situation and this is so vague and there's gonna be some nah. people that know what i'm talking about uh-huh. and some people that don't and they'll
0: figure it out oh like i feel it. i feel so smarky like knowing stuff <laughs> that never happens so yeah somewhere where you're definitely 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 not gonna be a heel they're gonna love you is in newcastle and is that what you think? Well, the fact that you're taking on just some <laughs> dude who was in Newcastle at one point, I don't think that that matters. You're, you uh, like what you need to do is come out with a Greg's uh steak bake. Uh you need to wear a flat cap and come to the ring with uh with a um with a greyhound. Um and you'll be fine. You'll get you the crowd will love you for it. They'll be like who's the other okay. guy, you know. Um and that's January the 5th, uh, where you'll be uh, facing Pac, uh, a.k.a. Neville, at the O2 Academy. There are still tickets available, and this is for uh, Defiance uh, loaded shows. And they're going to be back every month after that. Um, are you going to be back every month? Uh, I, th- I think for the most
2: part, I will be at pretty much most, of the, most if not all, <clears throat> of Defiance shows moving forward for the, for the foreseeable future, I think. Uh-huh. Um, that just seems to be the way the cookie has crumbled. Um, Are you making a yeah. drink? Yeah, I am making a drink. <laughs> now. I'm having uh, I'm having some whiskey and cola.
0: Whiskey's the uh, dr- slightly drunk is a good way to do these interviews. I find.
2: F- holy shit, you're loud. May oh dude, you don't even understand. <laughs> our floor, our floorboard in our in our flat is. What's that?
1: Yeah. He
2: just heard it. Yeah. Yeah, oh, gosh! Shut <laughs> up. So, did you hear that?
1: Yes, I did. <laughs>
2: oh, she did. She did. He did hear you.
1: Um, no,
2: but yeah, our floorboard is so loud. I can't even. I can't even begin to tell you how annoying the loud floorboard thing is. Uh-huh. But yes, I am making a whiskey and cola. This is Jameson whiskey as well, because we are classy, classy, classy That's individuals. Awesome.
0: Jameson, 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 Jewish wrestling personality.
2: Jameson, Jewish wrestling personality,
0: what? Yeah, the manager of the Bushwhackers who was on the Bobby Heenan show. I'll cut out that really long, awkward pause where you didn't know what I was (laughs) talking about there. Um, I was really confused for a second. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, um, January the 5th. So, would you consider this... Th- your most important match to date at this point.
2: My most important match to date. Man, I, you know what? It, it 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 has importance because it because ha- like it's kind of like my first like outside of the Walter matches I had
1: mm-hmm.
2: uh, at Defiant. It's probably my first signature match for Defiant. I think like my first match there uh, was when I was still What Culture. Yeah, and like I've had. A- I've had a couple like – I've had some notable ones. Um, like my first one was against Marty Skrull, which was you know notable. Yeah. People like – obviously because it's Marty um, and it was my debut. Then after that, I mean I guess it comes down to like the, the series I had with Speedball and then uh, – the series I had with Speedball and then the, Wal- the matches I had with Walter um, – then maybe like the 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 u.s world
0: cup bit but i I, I, I guess within context because i think
2: i think think right now yeah again within context like because if i if i'm able to pull this one off then i get a shot at the at the world title so that's kind of why this would be the most significant one in for defiant because it would literally put me into the main event which is exactly where i've been saying i should be and where i believe that Uh, The fan base really wants to embrace me. So because uh, if you've paid attention to Defiant or anybody listening, Mm -hmm. uh, if you watch Defiant on YouTube or uh, through Access Defiant or anything like that, you pay attention, you've you've realized that I've gone – like I've kind of gone ups and downs through Defiant. I might not have been that successful wins and losses uh, as far as wins and losses go, but uh, the fan base has really gotten behind me. Uh, even even when even when it seemed like it was trying to be painted that they shouldn't be behind me, and and I've always kind of stayed true to who I was. I don't really care. I'm gonna do what I can to get to get by. That's always what my attitude's been. Mm. But the fans have really embraced me, and that's been super cool because you like I'm I'm standing out there with guys like like local favorites, guys like Rampage, and they just can't stop ch- cheering for me. I was out there with Omari, before uh, I think it was during the Ringmaster tournament and the crowd wouldn't stop chanting for like, I, it was legitimately like, th- like three minutes straight, maybe five minutes like where they wouldn't stop going. We couldn't actually wrestle yet because they were just too busy. They were specifically chanting for me to start the match. It was wild. <laughs> um, so I think going into this, this is obviously the spotlight match, the highlight match, the one there it's being presented live on YouTube by yeah. the client um, for free. So this this might be the most significant – yeah, like you said, this might be the most significant match I've ever had for Defiant uh, specifically just because of the eyes that are going to be on it, the fact that it's going to be given a huge platform, uh, and the fact that it's really the first match that I've seen get super attention from the wrestling fan base that I'm going to have for Defiant.
0: Yeah, and I, and I think, I mean, for us in, in Newcastle as well, whether Pac had went to WWE or not, um, the name that he had made for himself in Japan and everywhere else, it just, the fact that he's coming back to Newcastle, it just is incredibly special. Because, like you know, I used to watch Pac maybe 12, 13 years ago or maybe even longer than that. And just, you know, with friends when, you know, the Northeast scene was smaller than it is now and he just immediately stood out and one thing that i always loved about him was his ability to really be hated by a crowd even though he was the most talented person there um you know like in ring but like (laughs) facially and stuff like that it was just you know um but i mean i guess back then maybe the like crowds weren't as like northeast wrestling wasn't um presented as much towards smart fans it was like kind of family entertainment and stuff like that and it was kids with parents and stuff like that and um you know Pac really knew how to connect with people i guess sure um well it, it, it's kind of funny because
2: um i can't obviously i can't speak to to like the the northeast scene or the or even just the north scene in general mm-hmm. as much as the uk scene as much as i really could as much as a a specific uh, UK wrestling fan could, or someone who's from the Northeast or someone from the North or whatever c- could, but I can speak to like pack. Everybody knows him. Like if you're talking about pre WWE, yeah. what I think of, I think of the dragon gate stuff. Um, like his matches with ricochet and his matches uh, and the tag matches with like SEMA and dragon kid and ricochet and all, like all that crazy stuff is some of the most mind blowing wild things. But, the things that always stood out to me was when you would see that it wouldn't just be a bunch of moves and how athletic he was. It would be the little things in between when you would like call, like just literally having his hand out and like doing a little Neo thing where you wave somebody in. whatever, like Pac is somebody who's shown that he's a complete wrestler and he's just also able to do things that no human should be able to do. So he's, he's, he's really good. He's really well-rounded, which is, an understatement. Um, And I, I'm really happy that he's kind of able to display that more and more and more. Yeah. Uh, And I've, and I've been able to, I've been able to watch him now on one or two uh, indie shows. And it's just been, it's been awesome to watch him, to watch him do his thing. Um, And I'm going to be really excited to watch him do his thing when I'm wrestling him and then beat him.
0: <laughs> well i'd imagine like pack is one of those wrestlers that you know you're going to come out of this a better wrestler because i um, you know you you have you've faced a wide range of opponents but probably no one quite like pack you know he really is a one-off um so i mean when you wrestle someone that you've never maybe wrestled their style before is it easy to adapt for you because you like sort of picked up a range of different styles from all over the world
2: i mean i've i've wrestled i've wrestled high flyers but you know obviously you can't just categorize him as a high flyer because he's also like a powerhouse yeah you know like holy shit he's a power but then i think he fits like what i'm thinking how my uh game planning is kind of going is he's kind of like a tyler Bate, uh where tyler is a powerhouse. No one's going to deny. It. Like, you just see how, how strong he is. Big, strong boy. Like, you can tell. Mm. But he's also this crazy high flyer who can pull out a spiral tap out of nowhere. Like, uh, so you have to be able to wrestle with him with using your technique because you're not going to, I'm not going to be stronger than Pac, period. He's mm. strong. He's, he's way stronger than I am. He's probably faster than I am, too. Um, and he's obviously got better high-flying ability. So where am I going to beat him? I can beat him at technique. So you, you have to think about where are your advantages. And I'm going to wrestle to my match. So I'm going to try and get him to, to stay in the technical battle, maybe keep him up close. Even though, even though he, has the, he might have the speed advantage on me, I think that he might not realize, and a lot of people may not realize, I probably have the technical advantage on him because I am, I'm, I'm scrappy. Because mm-hmm. I'm used to being in scramble situations. I'm not so pretty. As a wrestler all the time uh I, I can be very very gritty and that's something that i learned really from from training from wrestling and training with guys like tim thatcher and drew gulak and things. these guys who aren't necessarily the prettiest wrestlers but they grind it out and they know how to they know how to get the best out of out of themselves and they know how to wrestle their match and that's really what it comes down to is i'm going to wrestle my match hmm. and i'm gonna make sure that you know it'll it'll be it'll be a good one and i'm i'm fairly certain that everyone's gonna feel like they got their money's worth uh and yeah that's pretty much it like what kind of challenges do you present he's a high flyer i know that he can do things that i probably can't even think that he can do he might be able to pull something out just you know like out of nowhere if i didn't see a counter coming he might be able to do that and i was like oh shit didn't study for that one like so who who knows um I just go into every match thinking I'm going to wrestle my match, I'm going to do my thing, and make them wrestle to me.
0: Mm -hmm. Well, I'll be giving all the information about the show again at the end of this, because it's in like two days' time, um, or three days' time. So the show will be up uh, before then, so I really appreciate you uh, doing the show as well. So one thing that I kind of am intrigued by um, is like I saw a picture of you uh, at a show and you were next to a guy uh, who held a sign saying corporate wrestling sucks. So, I mean, um, and I've noticed that you started spelling wrestling without the E sort of thing. And, you know, um, so, I mean, do you, are you kind of using that as a blanket statement or, you know, and I'm not like having to go here or anything like that. It's just, I, I just want to get your like opinion on it because, Like, WWE in particular, obviously, is offering a a wide range of um, things now to appeal to as wide of an audience as possible. So, like, do you feel that they are just trying to, like, corner the market for themselves? Or do you feel that um, they may even be behind the times in some ways? Because they've had to see what is going on on the indie scene to realize this is what people want. And that's why WWE UK is happening and stuff like that.
2: Well, I mean, I I don't think it's accurate to say they're behind on the times because, I mean, the fact is that they're they're the top entertainment company that produces wrestling. (laughs) Right. There's no denying that. Um, And you can't say they're behind the times just because uh, I mean, they may have been behind on the times, but now they are kind of uh, the leader of the conversation because they've managed to in a in an Ingenious business uh, sense, m- create an alternate brand within their own brand. Amazing, like gen- complete ingenious on mm. WWE's part. You can't, you can't take that away from them, like because um, they've made NXT. they are literally wrestling fans who go, "I watch NXT, but fuck WWE." Yeah, like, what did you just say? <laughs> um, <laughs> um, so. You can't say they're behind on the times. They're very smart, and they've taken advantage of that market, um, cornering the market. I mean, that's been their goal since uh, since Mr. McMahon bought, like, got the company from his dad, isn't it? like?
0: That's true. He, is that is that like the side of it that maybe you disagree with? Because like, I I don't get. Well, have... There's no no the
2: whole the corporate wrestling thing sucks. One, I thought that sign was hilarious. Uh-huh. Uh, and two, and two, it totally it plays into the. The, rest, the wrestling shtick. Um, and and three, it plays into the Bernie Sanders of professional wrestling. There's a lot of reasons why um, I would be considered... I'm, I'm, I'm still a bit too rebellious to be a nice little, uh, like a nice poster boy for a corporate company. I mean, maybe, maybe I'm not. Maybe that's what people like because people do like uh, populist kind of... There's a big populist swing now. People do like an anti-establishment type of person i guess um but you know it's like there's plenty of things that are corporate wrestling that wouldn't necessarily be seen as good to a wrestling fan Mm
1: -hmm.
2: um and i mean i've heard plenty of people who have wrestled for like tna and i hear all the little bad i hear all the bad (laughs) stories from people like i hear them all and i hear how how so much is shit i also hear how great some people are treated and i hear how how great they uh it is when they're there like um so let's see i have to it's a really loaded question man i gotta (laughs) yeah so
0: this is probably why i shouldn't have a podcast because i don't i don't ask questions that well (laughs)
2: um no it's okay it's okay i I can talk through i'm not like i'm not afraid of the question or anything i'm just trying to think of uh the real way of answering it. yeah so like um i i so i haven't watched consistently i haven't watched WWE programming since they did the brand split again, mm. and the the reason is because it' just overwhelmed me. It's just so much to watch and so much you have to keep up with uh, in order just to be in tune with what's going on. Um, so I haven't watched it consistently. I went however long ago the brand split was two years ago, maybe yeah um, so so I can't really it's hard for me to comment on that. I really have watched just kind of independent wrestling. And then like old-school wrestling, like Four Pillars matches and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. Uh, And and then the occasional pay-per-view, or I'll go back and watch something. People say a match is sick, or I'll watch the shows that I'm a part of. Uh, So that's really that. But corporate wrestling as a whole, it's just a different presentation in it. So,
0: like... It It is, but I think they, they have the um, ability to really make a presentation look authentic, even though it may not necessarily be authentic. Like, the WWE UK shows look more old-school British style than some of the independent shows now, or like the World of Sports stuff that was on TV recently, because they are kind of following the WWE method of using led lights everywhere and all that kind of thing whereas WWE UK really stripped it back and the the presentation of something really no, we're raw yeah it goes a long way for me um no nope. before nope. the matches okay. even you know i want it to be aesthetically pleasing cuz like i just like some of those pay-per-views you know I, i'm surprised I have not had a um a seizure looking at some of those ah. LED ring posts and stuff like that, you know. Um, you know, I think if they cut back on that, I think it would... And it seems like a small thing. Like, I would never judge the ability and the talent of a wrestler because it's not my place to. And, you know, I, I love Giant Gonzalez, so, like, I lose every argument every time. But, like, <laughs> you know. Um, but in terms of, like, production and presentation and stuff like that, I'll critique that all day long because I feel that that's more my area. Um, and you know i i just I, I like that they're actually trying to be a bit down and dirty with it and um but i guess they have the money to do that you know and yeah
2: so um, so like so how do you how do you feel about when when you watch like pwg how do you feel if you did watch pwg
0: i'm i'm going to sound like an awful person i didn't like like I haven't really seen anything. Is that bad?
2: No, that's okay. But I'm saying no, no, it's not bad. It, it does not bad because I think most fans that like, say that they watch PWG don't. They just watch the highlight videos anyway. Okay. And I noticed that because the ones, the the stuff that gets gift on Twitter all the time is always stuff from the highlight video they put on YouTube. Mm-hmm. So like, I think there's a lot of people that say they watch wrestling that don't watch wrestling. You know, not like as a whole, but like. No, no, I think there's a lot of people out there that say they watch wrestling that don't actually watch the
0: wrestling. Um, Can can I be honest? I mean, with uh, sort of modern wrestling now, like, in a way, it's. I feel more of a fan of it now because I have to find wrestlers who I can connect with in some way, whether it's interests or whether it's like what they represent and stuff like that. And that's why I will get behind a certain wrestler now instead of kind of maybe even watching the whole product sometimes. Um, but, mm-hmm. but it means that I genuinely get behind that person and they're a reason for me to go and see them. And, um, you know, and I think that was the way with me with WWE for probably the last maybe 15 years where there would be someone that I specifically want to go and see. Um, whereas like, you know, you get a lot of people who buy tickets just for a night out and don't really care what's going on in the ring sort of thing. Um, sure you know uh, you know what okay so uh, i have kind of I just in this
2: so let's let's let me sum this question up so is so basically is corporate re- like the one thing was is corporate wrestling bad is that kind of a question that you, it's kind of like dug inside this
1: <laughs> discussion
2: um, we're having well, hey, more whether cuz he- i would say no the answer is no, mm-hmm. in my
0: opinion. Well, do you feel that with WWE now, I mean, with everything that Cody Rhodes and the Young Bucks are doing and um, the fact that there kind of seems to be a standard now for what has to make a company or a promotion or whatever be good, like, you know, that kind of separates the wheat from the chaff. So, What does that
2: mean? What do, you, what do you mean? What does that mean necessarily? What makes a company good? What, well, do you, I think what it, are you implying makes a company good?
0: In terms of promotion, presentation, because I think any company could probably get any wrestler ever if they have enough money, Um, but if they don't know what to do with them and how to promote them and how to, you know, book a good card or how to really appeal to the fans, or if they don't know how to get people in a building, you know, because I mean, look, I don't don't want to get anyone in any trouble, but I've seen five star shows at big arenas that were like a third sold and yeah that had that had ray mysterio on it yeah like, it was ridiculous it was insane and, and they had, so, sorry go for it no i was just
2: gonna say because this is just a little little interjection that you can keep i was just saying like yeah you could have andre the giant at your show but if you didn't tell anybody about it no one would show up mm-hmm.
0: and you know i that to me again goes a long way to whether a company is good or bad because i mean how many like and again you probably worked for a lot of them and i don't want to bash any companies in particular but i in my opinion you know i just there seems to be a standard now because everyone is kind of up the game but those who can't up their game seem to get left behind and maybe they should because you know they're dealing with professionals at the end of the day and if they can't come across like they're dealing with professionals then maybe they shouldn't be doing it at all
2: so okay now when it comes – I'm with you as far as presentation and stuff like that goes uh, because I think that's really important mm-hmm. and as well as obviously promoting your talent. And If you think about um, the best – I think the best, quote, big indie is WXW, mm-hmm. and the reason being is the most over guys at WXW are homegrown WXW guys.
0: See, like yeah yeah I, I, look you, I, there are tons of um things and again five star was a thing that did this as well that you can't just rely on big names bringing them in if you want any kind of longevity you know i think again sure what i was talking about like the booking side like that's also developing characters and stuff like that and that's why defiant is you know doing a great job because
2: i i tell you what like the one thing i like people there there. people have plenty of things to say about defiant. Cause I don't think what culture made, what culture pro wrestling made many friends in the yeah. wrestling industry. Um, but defiant, I, as from a fan standpoint,
1: mm-hmm.
2: I think when people come up to me at my merch table or just talk to me or shoot me a DM or whatever, most, I would say most of the time they say they've seen me through, uh, defiant or through progress or, uh, that's, those are pretty much the top two that I hear when fans tell me what they watch mm-hmm. It's progress and defiant um, so i I mean i and, and that has to have something to do with the presentation because when i watch when i do when I watch defiant defiant show, it's a really well produced show
1: yeah
2: like you can watch a youtube you can watch a bunch of episodes of Defiant right in a row, and I mean, this sounds like a almost like a backhanded compliment, but it it's not meant to be. It's a total real professional wrestling show. <coughs> you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like I, I don't get confused thinking that I'm watching some some trash. You know what I mean? I don't think it's like some people that are just putting on a facade of having a pro wrestling show. I'm like, oh no no no, this is what is supposed to be. Backstage segments. It's promos merged in with rest with matches. The matches don't the matches give you something, but they don't give away too much. It makes me still want to buy in for their pay per view. Um, I and then, but that goes and that. But you look at Defiant's roster, and I mean, obviously, I mean, I got to be real about everything. For the most part, uh, to start Defiant, what culture for wrestling, whatever you wanted to call it at the time, they got their buzz because they used. Outside talent. Yeah. And and now they've had to adjust. Uh, and they've adapted to now. A lot of them are. A lot of the main roster talent for Defiant is European. Mostly UK. A lot of Midlands slash Northern UK wrestlers. Hmm. Um, so they've seen that. And now the fans get more attached to them. And it, it's like. When What Culture was running, somewhat it was before I was there. Uh, I think What Culture had Minoru Suzuki in, and then I think one of the YouTube personalities had a longer meet and greet line than Minoru Suzuki. <laughs>
0: yeah, it, it kind of that baffled me. I, like, and I've got nothing. I, I hold no, um, what's the word like animosity or anything like that. But I'm just like, ah, oh, like. How's that a thing? Like, I've got a wrestling podcast. How is that a thing? Where's my line? You know what I mean? Like, I've interviewed Omid Johnson. Where's my fucking... (laughs) You know what I mean? (laughs) But, no, no, no,
2: no. But here's the thing. Did you get nails? No, have I told you that story? Nah, you're... Uh, no, I don't even want to hear it. You didn't get mail?
0: Well, no, but I've bought stuff off him oh, on hack. eBay. You're, oh, you should... You are a hack. <laughs> hey, look, he, I've got the message. He said that if he ever does one podcast, he said he would do mine. So I'm holding him at his word. Um, you know, I... I well, you gotta ask him. You,
2: well, what, your first question has to be about the Undertaker feud that never was.
0: Well, either that or the Vince thing, but I could always just like piss everyone off and not ask about that. You know, and just, like, <laughs> leave out that as a main question. Like, like about two weeks before the Brad Maddox uh, sex tape came out, I was trying to get in touch with Brad Maddox, and then it happened, and then I contacted his agent, and I was just like, look, if he does this interview, I'll just not ask him about it, because everyone will be wanting to hear about it, and I'll just annoy everyone, and I wouldn't care. You know, and I think Brad Maddox would probably be happy with that, but I never heard back. Never heard back.
2: Uh for the record, let uh, me let me say about Brad Maddox. I was, a, I was an extra, on uh, for WWE for like four straight days, mm-hmm. and there was a bunch of guys that were really that were on the roster that were like really nice that w- that came up and said hello and, um, you know, basically didn't they weren't dicks. Brad Maddox was one of the, uh, was actually I think the only one. Who went out of his way to speak to me and give me words of encouragement, even though he hadn't seen the match I had. He didn't see the match that I had. Um, He gave me words of encouragement. He gave me words of advice. Mm -hmm. He he talked to me about what it's like to be in the locker room. Like, very, in like, I, we spoke for about like 15 minutes. And he was super cool. I, I, I can't, I don't know anything about him. Outside of the fifteen minutes that we spoke, and that I really liked his gear that when he was on TV. <laughs> yeah. uh, other than that, I don't know anything about him, uh, and it, I, and obviously his storyline to being introduced to WWE television. Did you say? It was, did you say? I can't sh- say anything bad about it. He's great. i I was a huge, just because of that. He's Brad Max has won
0: me over. He kind of to me uh, on TV. He had such a like a casual attitude to being on TV kind of like uh Raven when he was the Johnny Polo character like almost like he didn't fit in with anything else that was going on and almost like he wouldn't have cared if he lost the job or not <laughs> you know and I think that like gave him a a, a bit of freedom maybe in his mind sure. just to like you know not give a shit and um That's kind
2: of, but to me, when he talked to me it was kind of, he seemed very nonchalant right. like I I don't know like that's kind of how that's kind of how he presented himself when he, when, I, when he spoke to me, cause I was, I, uh, when he spoke to me, I just had my, my match. Um, cause like when you're an extra, I did, I did uh, two days of extra work on these two house shows. Mm-hmm. And then I did Raw and SmackDown. And on, on the SmackDown, which was a, uh, a taping at the time, they still, Smack, is SmackDown still taped?
0: No, it's live now.
2: It's live now. Okay, so SmackDown was being taped at the time. Uh, and it was for Tuesday, Tuesday nights. And I – so you had – we had our like our tryout matches or whatever. or Basically like our in-rate I, – I wouldn't call them tryout matches. I'd call them more just like you'd get a match in front of the agents and whatever guys on the roster wanted to come down and watch. Mm-hmm. Um, and So you'd have that before SmackDown tapings. And then you'd do like promos and stuff in the back with Regal. Um, well, I had just had my match. Maddox was not out there for my match uh after it was done i had I asked everybody around me you know what they thought and advice how I blah blah, blah 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 so I was walking back to the back to get changed, like where the extras were supposed to be at, and I walked past Brad Maddox and he just happened to say something to me, and then he spoke to me, and the whole time he seemed like he was really laid back. he just seemed like a dude, he was like, yeah, man that, this is how this happens here, and you could do this this way if you want to get over this way here, do this, and then." You have to know who to talk- like who to talk to and make sure you you keep in touch with this person and blah, blah, all the and the whole time there was not a single point like sense of urgency <laughs> <laughs> like in the conversation that we had had and i I think at that time he was being uh was he like the assistant general manager at that point in time, maybe yeah,
0: uh, I think at one point he was just the general manager as well, wasn't he and then Vicky came in and yeah. They kind of worked together a bit. I could be wrong on that, but yeah.
2: I don't remember if it was before or after Vicky had come. I know he was like a like an office character yeah. at this point in time when I uh, when I did this, but yeah, man, he was super cool, and yeah, I I, I guess his his demeanor was really relaxed.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Brad Ma- Brad Maddox more airtime on a podcast than maybe any other podcast this year but I mean I say that it's only the 2nd do that's January, not so. true
2: at all considering what oh this year yeah, this year <laughs>
0: so
2: okay I was gonna say if it's overall that's not true
0: look <laughs> yeah I, look I'll say as well he's, he's a he's a handsome man I don't care what anyone thinks he is a handsome man he is a handsome man the divorce album is a unique new concept from one of my favourite artists secret friend The Divorce album is a unique concept split into two sides, Mine and Yours. Mine features six new songs from Secret Friend, and Yours features those same six songs performed by six other artists. All of the songs are breakup songs, but let's face it, the best songs usually are. Featured artists include Taylor Locke, Sam Robson, Carla Kane, Wyatt Funderburk, Willie Wisely, a certain Roger Joseph Manning Jr., and many more. The Divorce Album is available now from your favourite streaming or download service. For more information, go to www.thedivorcealbum.com It's kind of hard to be like a legitimate wrestling fan and kind of And then be gay and not have people go, oh, is it because it's men in their underpants? And I'm just like, no, it's really not. Like, they just – some of them just happen to be good-looking. I'm just – you know, but it's not why I watch it. Yeah,
2: of course. That's the same thing. Like, Yeah, but on the same note, if you're straight, why is it okay to like wrestling as a straight dude and you like it when they were doing Attitude Era stuff with the girls?
1: Mm. Yeah.
2: You know what I mean? like. So, I think, okay, by the way, I think you could turn the podcast back on when you just said that line. (laughs) Okay. So, before that, because I think this is an interesting conversation, as far as like, because you have people that will say that a gay dude who likes wrestling only likes the wrestling because dudes are wrestling dudes. And there's obviously a. some sort of homoerotic nature to professional wrestling. No denying
0: that. And but do, do you feel? I think we talked about this a little bit last time as well. That, um, I you know, I I'm trying not to objectify wrestlers here, but like sort of, I would say, you know, you kind of, I would say with certain pictures that you posted, you know, the audience that may check them out, like that one that you did when you just had the tesh. And you said that you I, following the mustache picture. Yeah, yeah, yo,
2: the mustache picture had nothing to do with trying to appeal to like my gay <laughs> audience or anything like that. I can swear on my mother's life. Like, I literally put that picture up because I thought that mustache looked sick. <laughs> um, but as a co- as I guess it, it sounds like a negative term, but as a consequence of that on Twitter, like yo my gay followers on Twitter blew up. Like, I mean, blew up, but like like it was like an extra like 500 people that followed it. And then I got like almost 3,000 likes on that picture. And like <laughs> almost, a, I think I might've got almost a thousand retweets on it, which was far more active than anything I've ever posted. Like ever.
0: <laughs> did, did, did you know, At that point though, do you think I've got to release the calendar at that point? Or like, you know,
2: <laughs> I've been told to release calendars, but I feel really weird about it. Like, and when I say weird about it, I mean like, because, um, uh, MJF just said something, uh, yesterday or two days ago when I was on the show on, I was on the beyond show with him. He said it to somebody, him and I were having a conversation cause I make fun of him all the time cause he thinks he's over. And I'm like, you're not over, dude. No one knows who the fuck you are, dude. <laughs> like, and he goes, oh, people know me. And I was like, no, they don't. And then he goes, yeah, but you say that people don't know you and you're an idiot because people do know you. That's what he'll say. And then I'm like, yeah, but people don't know me. I'm not over legitimately. Like I can't – I can walk down the street just fine, can't I? Um, so then he said – oh, you see? Him? He said David Starr has like – he's the least confident person in the world. But then, when he goes in the ring, he displays the most amount of confidence I've ever seen. I don't get it. Um, so, oh man, there was a fucking point to this. These whiskey <laughs> and colas are starting to these whiskey and colors are starting to get me here, man.
0: Um, and I start I start to think that sometimes when you do these interviews, you don't regret them once they're up, do you? So, because <laughs> we, <laughs> we we go off all over the place, so you know. Um... No, all the
2: time. Okay. All right. um, so, uh, fucking confident gay dudes liking me uh it's kind of kind of the i got to the point there uh Max saying i don't have any self-confidence do you feel me saying i do have confidence do i feel like did i i didn't put that out there the the calendar thing it makes me feel weird because i don't think that i i guess at the end of the day i don't think that i'm something to be on a calendar
0: mm-hmm. so but do you feel that you're um your image. By the way, you can totally
2: keep that trace back of the conversation.
0: Uh-huh.
2: In the podcast.
0: <laughs> that's good to know. Um, oh yeah, I'll I'll cut to a break. Uh, you know, during the bit that I did cut out, that no one will ever hear ever. Um,
1: Sick.
0: Yeah. Um, Sick. So, but do you feel that? And we'll get totally off the subject. But like, do you feel that you are consciously making wrestling? more acceptable for LGBT audience to like, though, through how you are, through your personality and through some of the photo shoots that you do and stuff like that. Not, like, overtly sexual stuff, but, like, sort of, you know, uh, stuff that kind of is kind of reassuring that, like, people understand that there are gay wrestling fans out there. Like, you know, guys like Finn Balor, you know, are a part of that, and obviously, um, you know, Darren Young and uh, Jack Sexsmith has his role well,
2: in, so, so so like basically uh, I, okay so to answer your question before i forget your question because because uh, <laughs> i talk whiskey, too much. whiskey colas are great no no no. because whiskey colas are great <laughs> uh consciously no okay I, i'm not i'm not actively going out there being like oh this is for my lgbtq plus fan base um or anything like that i just think about my fan base and sometimes i'm not thinking about anybody at all and i'm just posting random shit because i am a very simple creature um and sometimes i have to explain that I'm a very simple creature uh because i don't have any subcon- uh any conscious thought to some stuff and some stuff i do mm-hmm. um but no i don't actively go out and be like oh, okay this is for my lgbtq plus fan base but i i do think to myself like
1: uh
2: that people are people and i don't really understand why uh people need to make differences between them here's something that that really bugs me is that like some fans are allowed to like you said some fans are allowed to objectify wrestlers and some fans aren't um and i think that's kind of weird but on the same note to inverse that cuz that's obviously saying like how uh, I think that's fairly obvious as to what I'm pointing out there, like how it's, it's, and see, maybe it's weird because my perspective comes from like, a, like a lefty perspective and like the fans that I thought, the fans that like, I see on my timeline all the time tend to be like lefty fans. Mm. So maybe I'm, maybe my perspective is a little skewed there. So I have to think about that a little bit more, but um When what it gets presented as, and definitely to most wrestlers, I would say would probably agree with me, uh, not to put words in anybody's mouth. uh, But I think it's more acceptable for a female wrestling fan to, quote unquote, drool over a male wrestler uh, publicly Mm -hmm. than it is for a male wrestling fan to do the same for a female wrestling fan or a female wrestler. Granted the female wrestling thing, like the male fan doing that for female fans still happens on a frequent basis. Like, I can't tell you how many times I can go into my search bar thing on Instagram and just find uh, random wrestling pages, just posting pictures of uh, female wrestlers asses, like just like <laughs> zoomed in on or something like that. You know what I mean? Like, you, you know, you know what I'm saying? Uh, um, but, but from the people that, are respected in the wrestling fandom community. That gets fucked. That gets washed out as soon as because that's not cool. Because you shouldn't do that. And obviously, there's many reasons why it's it's a double standard that should be accepted. I mean,
1: uh,
0: uh, but that's not oh, man. I mean, She'll get. This, I'm sh- I'm sh- do, do you notice how yeah. I feel slightly? slightly less awkward actually talking about this than I did about independent wrestling because like I know that I'm talking to one of the hottest independent wrestlers in the world and there'll be fans of yours who'll be like who's this fucking schmuck who doesn't know anything about independent wrestling so like I say just enough to know to, to sound like I know what I'm talking about but then there'll be fans who'll listen who'll then know that I'm saying probably far too much to actually know what I'm talking about but <laughs> but, but I don't know it, it, you know I'm Overall, I'm just glad that you give me some of your time because, like, like I don't know, it's kind of a, I guess it's a weird thing that wrestlers probably maybe wouldn't when talking about just absolute random subjects as I do constantly. Um. So yeah, I yeah but
2: I like I like doing that. I like it's a conversation. I'd rather that than you saying you have 15 questions to ask me. We're gonna ask these 15 questions and we'll just then that's that. Like well, I've had those, and those
0: are the worst. Well, since I interviewed you last time, you know, and not that I tried to fish for compliments or anything like that, but I interviewed uh, Brian Pillman Jr., who was awesome. Um, I interviewed uh, Savio Vega um, and um, Super cool. Todd Pettengill. That was like the highlight of my life, apart from okay, talking, cool. apart, apart from talking to you, obviously. Um, <laughs> and they all say that mine is one of the best wrestling podcasts that they've ever done because. I am fantastic. No. Uh because right, obviously. Not, yeah. No because I, I guess I try not to ask the same questions, but like I try to also not come across like I know things about wrestling when I feel that it's a bit damn um, um, just I, it's not my place to ask certain things I guess like when I don't really know about them and I don't know who I'm trying to educate with them as well because you know I think that people can get information smart information or information that you've given out or whatever from many other podcasts so like it's just a case of trying to be slightly different I guess yeah no so basically like I said I was going on a bit of a self-discovery thing I don't know if you had an answer to any of that Um, ideally just a compliment about my podcast would be great, but, um,
2: (laughs) (laughs) No, podcast is good. I like the, I like the, I like the podcast. It's because it's a conversation. I like the conversations. I don't like, um, I don't like it when it's like, Hey man, this is regimented. We have to do it this way, this way, this way. Nah, it's it's whack.
0: Maybe I should just, (laughs) I should just keep in the clunky edits and the actual acknowledgement that, um, the internet fucked up. Um, I think people as, o- as authentic as possible. Absolutely. Um it's 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 incredible that I have a sponsor for this, to be honest. Um <clears throat> So yeah, um, so no, I do I do appreciate that. So before we do get onto other subjects, um, there's a there's a podcast that I love, um, and my friend is going to hate me for this because I do rip it off completely. Uh, but I do use his book. It's uh, called the Richard Herring Leicester Square Theatre Podcast, where he interviews different comedians. Uh, but he has a book of emergency questions. Now this is usually if the conversation dies, but I don't think. Our conversations like peaked quite yet, so like, but I'm gonna, I'm just gonna swoop in there with an emergency question. Um, Go for it. From Go his, for it. from his uh, book. So, um, <clears throat> which seemingly respectable celebrity do you suspect is a coked up sex pest?
2: <laughs> Every one of them. Uh, which? Wow, what a question! You know what? I'm gonna, I'm gonna ask the audience here. Uh-huh. Fine. So which? Uh, seem what is which seemingly respectable celebrity do you think is secretly a coked up like sex?
1: Oh, easy, freak?
2: right? That's basically it. Coked up sex freak who, but is seemingly respectable. And your answer is. John Malkovich, easily. There we are. And actually, actually, I say easily, but I had to ask my girlfriend for her opinion because she knows celebrities more than I do. Okay. Um,
0: well. Um, okay. We'll do one more, and I'll not go to the one that I was gonna ask you. Uh, but if you <laughs> if you had to marry a piece of furniture, um, which piece which which piece of furniture would you marry? This is easy. It's it's my bed. Okay. Yeah. Okay
2: that's an easy question
0: yeah okay should i ask the other one then i like (laughs) the other question
2: better i like the other question yeah definitely ask the other question
0: okay can you describe the most unusual penis you have ever seen
2: uh i don't know if i can describe the penis per se Uh. but i can tell you when i saw it and why it was unusual to me so it wasn't uh, at school was it well, yeah, it was at school. Oh, okay. It wasn't gym teacher. Uh, it was at, teacher, at uni. I, was, oh, okay. all oh, right. Okay. No, no, no. Okay. It was at uni. Okay. So, uh, as I, I was, I'm an, am, I was an amateur wrestler before I was a pro wrestler from the time I was seven years old up until I was 21. And, uh, in America, in America, most men are circumcised.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Like that's just, nat- it's just like naturally done. A lot of times it's done at birth, uh, in America, in America, it's just kind of standard practice for the most part. But where I went to university, it was at Elizabethtown College, which was uh, kind of we got a lot of kids from what we call Pennsylvania, or like farm country. Mm. Like, uh, and those people are not standardly, or they like, not standardized to or standard to get circumcised at birth or anything, or and, I, and they don't – there's not really many Jewish people in the area. So most of those dudes are uncut, which I know is common here I move uh, in the here. UK.
1: Yeah.
2: yeah. So – but the first time I saw an uncut penis was when I was in university and it was this, uh, this kid who – this dude who was our 125-pounder uh, our and I we – it was after practice in the shower – it just so happened to be the first. I was like, what the fuck was that? He already looked kind of like a weird dude to begin with. So I was like, he's got a weird dick. That is a weird looking dick. Because even, even when even when I would watch um, – even when, when if I would watch like porn or something, huh. it was – it wasn't – I wouldn't – I didn't even know what was up like when I saw an uncircumcised penis in porn. I was just like, I guess that guy has got a weird dick. Like I didn't even think about it. Like <laughs> – uh, so, yeah, that was I, – I can't describe the penis for you, or although every single English male that, that's not Jewish knows what I'm – like, you just kind of – that's what it looks like. And, and that, to me, was so foreign and so ridiculous and so, like, <laughs> weird-looking.
0: Actually, um, not, not that I've seen that many in person, but um, <clears throat> um, but when when I was at school, a friend – and this was like yeah, was primary school, sort of when we were like really young. This kid uh, did get his uh, dick circumcised, and it was—I think it was for medical reason. But he was like okay. really proud of it, and because he had it circumcised, he could like he could like pull it back slightly when he was like pissing, and he, but he could do it from like about two feet away, and that was kind of like his, that was like his party thing.
2: Wait, um, when you pee, when you pee yeah. with an uncut paint you have to pull your 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 foreskin back.
0: Well, I mean, I it's, look. I, or I do because you end up getting lots of dripping wow, and stuff like that.
1: Wow!
0: task? I, I don't. It's not like it's a fucking wizard sleeve. You know what I mean? It's not like it's the hang. Mm-hmm. You know? Um, no. It just because then you give it. It's to stop with. with the, the, I this, never there's always... the issue of dick cheese <laughs> well no me neither Ever. well that's why it's done isn't it it's like a health reason it's like when you get those yeah, really flappy well, dogs that get the eyes
2: <laughs> well we but like well uh, Jews have it done because Abraham heard a voice tell him hey cut your dick a little bit and he was all like alright I'll do it boom <laughs> like...
0: or maybe it was like I bet you won't get your dick cut Cut uh, Abraham, and he was like, "Want to bet?" And then,
2: yeah, you want to bet? Yo, God <laughs> did some God did some fuck up stuff in the Old Testament.
1: Let's, <laughs> let's just put Let's just put that. See, out but there. With,
0: with the foreskin though, there's always a chance that you've got like a little, um, a cup of, maybe a couple of drops of pee stuck in there. So you have to give it a squeeze. Oh man! To get the stuff See, out. What a What a task!
2: All <laughs> All in all, it just It just does not seem like. The, ju- the juice is not worth the squeeze to keep that to keep to keep that little piece of skin man I'm so happy that I'm Jewish I'm so happy that I'm American snip, snip. Uh, um, so yeah. I said, I, can I can I let me say a side note here which is a good little line uh, so you know obviously when you're when you're in a long-term relationship you end up uh, uh, you end up having the conversation of, of Of kids, whether you know whether you're in a gay relationship or straight relationship, you're talking about adoption or Mm -hmm. uh, artificial whatever you want to you want to do to have children. Uh, So me and my girlfriend have had the hypothetical conversation of having children, and something came up where she said to me because she's not Jewish and I am. She said, "If we had a boy, would he get circumcised?" And I said, "Yes, a thousand percent." And she goes, and she was like. Absolutely not. He's like, I'm not having our, our boy get mutilated. <laughs> and, <I was> like, <laughs> and first of all, I was like, uh, excuse me, what? Uh, and then, <laughs> and then uh, I said the weirdest thing I think I've ever said in my life. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I think this, I, I think actually now I can say, no, it is the weirdest thing I've said. Not I think. <laughs> I said, my son's dick will look like my dick. <laughs> I was like, "Wait, that was a really weird thing to say." <laughs> and, like, I should have gone more with the no. It's a Jewish tradition. My son is going to be like, it. The son's going to be like his
0: father. No, but I decided to say, "My son's dick is going to look like my dick."
2: <laughs> oh, what a weird thing!
0: Well, a couple more things I want to ask. I do. I did make up an emergency question, which I'm going to ask you because we got a lot of uh, mileage out of the dick question. Um, which, of is
2: course, great. we did.
0: Yeah, and um, it's all about you know. <laughs> reaching that, the <laughs> what what is an acceptable podcast uh, length um, to be considered? To I think so.
2: every podcast should have at least one dick question.
0: <laughs> yes, this is true. Um, so yeah, my emergency question that I made up completely is: Would you rather have? And there's some caveats to this. Would you rather have a leg made out of cheese, or would you rather have a Siamese twin, who is connected to your nose via their? asshole but it's a terrible question (laughs) the, the twin is a millionaire and will die after about five years and can get removed but you get the money so what would you rather do
2: wait so how old am i when the twin dies
0: um you're um, well five years from now so um, five years from
2: now so and he's 30, a fu- so I he's, mil- he's a fully formed two. twin
0: so what would have to happen is you would have to it would maybe be like a human centipede kind of situation um, but, it, but he's a he's a millionaire and you will get the money or would you wait, rather wait, or would you rather have a leg but how did this? he first of all how the fuck did this dude become a
2: millionaire with my nose <laughs> up his ass literally the whole time don't it, believe it who, so who,
0: who is, yeah but who wouldn't pay to see that you know Ah, so he. But then, why wouldn't I also be a millionaire? But um, because he's the one with the foresight and um, the foresight. (laughs) I can't have the
2: leg. The the other option is a leg made of cheese.
0: The the leg um replenishes. I eat
2: the leg immediately.
0: Yeah, but it replenishes. The Uh, leg
2: replenishes, so I have a never-ending supply of cheese on my leg.
0: So, at a restaurant, you could be like. Would you like some cheese? (laughs) And then you can just grate your leg.
2: (laughs) I have a never-ending supply of cheese cheese on my leg. Uh Uh-huh. I don't know if I can turn that down. It would be a good gimmick to have, wouldn't it? Oh, man. Although, I mean, okay. So I have to live for 32 years with my nose up some dude's ass. Yeah. Up my twin brother's ass, actually.
0: Which means he will actually, like, shit on your face and stuff like that. But you get the money. At the end of it,
2: no. Yeah. Wait, wait, wait. My nose is attached. You said asshole. Yeah. Which would mean yeah. that does he not have an asshole?
0: Mm, that's a good point. Okay.
2: See what I'm saying? Yeah. You gotta write. You, here's what. Here's your homework assignment. <laughs> you're gonna rewrite your emergency question. This is why think I think about it. Okay. And then you're gonna you're gonna ask me it on on Facebook. I'll ask, again.
0: I'll ask you it uh, at Defiant, January the fifth. Oh, yeah, do it, yeah.
2: yeah. Um, that's, that's the point of this, right, is to promote Defiant <laughs> Wrestling on January 5th, where I'm wrestling Pac for the first time in Newcastle, his hometown. <laughs> that's the point of our interview right now.
0: If he comes out last, which I have a feeling he may come out last, um, you go for the mic, and then that's your CM Punk moment right there where you answer that question. <laughs> i am like, all right, guys. You're all here to see this match, right?
2: <laughs> yeah. Well, I have a question for you. Everyone's like, yeah! I'm like, Would you rather have your leg be made of regenerating cheese for the rest of your life, or have your nose attached to your Siamese twin brother's asshole who is in turn a millionaire but will die at the age of
0: 32 and you'll inherit all the money? <laughs> I'm I, 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 I... That's a T-shirt as well, I think.
2: <laughs> that whole thing. It's the that new whole thing on T-shirt.
0: It's the new Scott Hall um, survey. Oh yeah, survey <laughs> <laughs> Leg made of cheese. <laughs> That's great. Anyway, so um, yes, yeah, so this is why I don't write books of emergency questions because they will all be as contrived as that. Um, you sh- you, sh- you should have stuck to the book. For the podcast you're knocking off you son of a bitch <laughs> uh look he won't sue me I, I did tell him that i'm the reason why or he's the reason why i do podcasts and whether he wants to take blame or credit for that entirely up to him um I hey think... maybe you
2: maybe you maybe you will run into him because i uh i had a failure of a moment where uh my girlfriend and I went to a, a bar in Camden, or a pub in Camden, uh, and she told me going into it, mm-hmm. hey, you know, Noel Fielding is known to go to this pub quite, okay. like, like fairly often. And I was like, "Oh my god, I would love to." Huge, mighty boosh, love it. And I say, huge, mighty boosh, guy. I still haven't memorized the songs yet, which apparently is a requirement. Um, <laughs> But, like, I was super pumped about it. And then the whole night, he didn't show up. So I was just majorly disappointed. Uh,
0: that's That was a... Uh, so, that's... maybe he
2: won't ever talk to you ever again. Maybe this podcast guy you look up to won't ever uh, respond to you or meet you or even care about you.
0: Ever. It's quite possible. It's quite possible. But, um... <laughs> <laughs>
2: But you know uh, you know you have to, kill yeah. every hope and dream you 've ever
0: had <laughs> you have to push new boundaries with wrestling podcasts, and I feel that we 've pushed a few boundaries tonight um, so yeah, yeah definitely uh, so definitely. Be- <laughs> so before it's we a dick conversation by itself absolutely so we- before we um before we sign off and uh pimp the show um, as we should have been doing probably more regularly throughout the podcast, um, means you know right that- pack yeah. January fifth defiant. <laughs> um, Newcastle Well, YouTube New- YouTube if you can't make it if um, I'm gonna go I'm gonna be there um, but if you can't leave the house maybe you have no limbs um, but you mm-hmm. have internet access then you can watch it on YouTube
2: or if you're attached to a Siamese twin
1: <laughs> yeah
2: of any sort then it's hard to drag that body out with you because <laughs> they've died uh, before you've died and your nose is attached to their ass, you can still come to the show.
0: Would you have to buy two tickets, though? I mean, how would the seating plan No, he's for dead.
2: That? If he's dead, it depends. Is he 30? Have you turned, have you guys turned 32 yet? Because uh. if that's the case, one of them's dead. Here's a question. If one of the Siamese twins dies first, do you get it cut off?
0: Yeah. No, you do get it cut off. Yeah. It, it's is just... that a thing? Yeah, well, what, is that a thing that happens? Um, it probably Well, is. I mean, because Siamese twins are a real thing. Well, I'm guessing, yeah, but I'm guessing, I'd imagine the digestive tract would go through
2: the asshole. Well, it and depends t- where they're attached, right?
0: Yeah. So oh, ass- if
2: you're talking about, if the nose to the asshole thing.
0: Yeah. I, you know, huh. I, I, so, yeah, again, I think with, um, I don't claim to be a medical expert, but I do think that with, um,
2: Anyone uh, listening?
0: Ended new ground. At if this point,
2: you have that. any
0: information about <laughs> Siamese twins, send it along. There, have there been wrestling Siamese twins?
2: Had to have been at some point,
0: right? Must have been like proper carnie circus sideshow. No doubt.
2: Of, yeah. Have there been? Have, has there been bearded lady
0: wrestling?
1: Um,
2: I, I'm thinking of like cliche carnival people now.
0: I, I don't see why uh, I don't see why there wouldn't have been. Um... Has there been a cyclops wrestler? <laughs> Are we talking just one eye? Because P C O. Well, he doesn't, uh... he doesn't. He doesn't just have. <laughs> he doesn't have one eye though. He just uh, he still has two eyes. Scariest wrestler I've ever met was P C O. Um... He's like,
2: what a great human being.
0: Is he? Is he a nice guy? Because he he was legit. Really he was nice. just staring at me with his crazy eyes and just he signed uh, a Quebecers thing he... for me, which was very nice of him.
2: He's a super nice guy.
0: If you're, oh, because he has a glass eye. That's right. Is one one um, one is glass? Then it wasn't just. Like... I think so. Oh, okay, okay, I think so. He
2: doesn't go out and say, "Hey, man, this is my glass eye." But, um, do you I, think he, you know?
0: Does he take it out for matches?
2: I don't. I don't know. That's got to be dangerous, right? Doesn't? Didn't? No, that was a rumor. There's a rumor I was a kid that Kane had a glass eye.
0: Oh, well, he had a fake eye, yeah, like, sort of, but they kind of... Did he? he, So does he have a glass eye? Well, yeah, I mean, the storyline was that the fire took out an eye, so, um, but I think they've kind of just... They
2: just put the contact in, they just put that, like, white contact in.
0: They put the contact in, and he, he wore a cape for the first couple of matches on house shows, I don't know if you ever saw the cape
2: he wore a cape yeah <laughs> yeah um the, we need the, more cape than us, thing
0: that this is true the photo shoot kind of ended up on a few things um but do you remember when wade barrett a few years ago had a cape yeah it was kind of like that with the drawstrings and very ominous looking sort of thing and um there is some footage of him wearing the cape uh but they obviously scrapped that pretty pretty quickly because why would you have a cape
2: when they realized that why would Kane have a cape? Exactly. Yeah. Like, why would Kane
0: have a cape? I, I don't know if you ever read uh, the unauthorized biography of Kane. Um, it's kind of written as kayfabe as possible um, about Kane's life. What? Have you not read this? Um, no, but that sounds like the best thing ever, <laughs>
1: as kayfabe as possible.
0: Well, I'll... well, hey, you know what? Now in
2: kayfabe, when he was on SmackDown and stuff recently, <laughs> I know, I do know. Like I said, I didn't watch. I haven't watched WWE television consistently, oh, but okay. I have caught. I, I have caught a Kane match here or there, and on like you know at SmackDown, I had the thing on the side where it would like all like almost like the tail of the tape of each wrestler when they would come down to their entrances. Yeah, I noticed that a couple of years ago, and I think when I say a couple years ago, I mean like when Kane started like getting into politics. Mm-hmm. Kane, the character, started becoming announced as from knoxville tennessee
1: <laughs> I, I, d- like, d- I didn't I know like, that oh <laughs>
0: yeah i was like oh kane from Knoxville." <laughs> uh, the kane storylines just all messed up but in the book um because it's because it's kayfabe you find out paul bearer because he worked in the the funeral parlor on the the mortician oh, his but yeah paul bearer <laughs> but no but 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 you find out in the book that Paul Bearer was just his wrestling name. His real name was Paul Grimm. Oh. so Wait. You, what was his real name? Paul Grimm? Paul Grimm. And he kind of took They it. couldn't think of a real last name. They couldn't <laughs> think of, like, a, a name other
2: than Grimm. He couldn't have just been Paul Smith. <laughs> <laughs> like, then you're like, oh, okay. But his name was Paul Grimm. Why would he have to change his name to Bearer? Like, I get Paul Bearer. I get it. But like, like <laughs> come on. Man. So in the, in there's somebody. Oh God! I'll tell you in a second. Finisher Kane. Okay. Your okay so game. Yeah.
0: So in the book, he kind of um, he takes Kane in and looks. But is he is his dad? So he like looks after him and everything. And then kind of he's watching uh, superstars and challenge. And he sees the Undertaker, and you know he's like, I want to be like him. But then he starts getting like Please. sort of really jealous and angry that Taker became like a big star and used the name Kane the Undertaker when he first came in. Um, which I'm sure you've probably seen the clip of. Um, yeah. So, and Undertaker himself like in k land, acknowledged this in a magazine in 1997 because I'm a nerd. Um, Holy was,
2: shit, you're quoting a magazine from 1997. This is incredible. D- Keep going.
0: Dude, have you seen my fucking collection? It's ridiculous. I,
2: you're not, yeah, I know. You're, you, you're
0: fantastic. <laughs> I am fantastic. Um, so um, so Paul Barrett kind of like buys Kane like a, a wrestling outfit which is the one that you see um, and they're kind of hanging around at the pay-per-view at Bad Blood and people are like oh who, who's this big motherfucker and then Kane comes out and so then he kind of does all of that and then you find out because how he couldn't speak and now all of a sudden he can speak um, X Pack paid for voice surgery um, and I, I use that in quotation marks because apparently voice surgery is a thing in KFA and, um I was going to say, voice surgery. Yeah, so they talk about Katie Vick, they talk about all that kind of stuff, and I did. I got the book signed by Kane, and I told him it was one of the worst books I ever read, and he kind of just looked at me kind of bemused. I wanted to really get an Isaac Yankem thing signed, but not ironically. Like, I genuinely love sure Isaac yankum and there has the they just came out with an Isaac yankum action figure which like blew my mind um, did they mhm so i mean it, it, wow. so it, have you been approached for one of those um figures toy company rising stars figures cuz you totally
2: no approached. i haven't i haven't been there's been a couple of people that i've i've talked to like guys that have gotten them yeah. that told me that they could put me in contact with them or something like that but nothing's ever actually come from it. I've never reached out to them. They've never reached out to me.
1: Would
0: you uh, Would you feel that they would have to reach out to you? You don't want to, like, come...
2: No, I don't give a shit. Yeah.
0: No, you know, there's this
2: weird thing that, like, wrestlers have sometimes where it's like, oh, you don't reach out for work. They come to you. There's some, there's some wrestlers that do that. I'm like, fuck that. Why would I think that? Like, I'm a guy looking for work. I am. Mm. I'm an independent contractor. I want to have more work. Doesn't mean that I am going to value myself less. If somebody, if I throw my resume at, if I, if I, if I put my resume out there and I send it to a company, if I, let's let's use two companies for example. Just uh, let me just say like Beyond Wrestling, and think of another company that's like that. Like, and Chikara, just put another, you know what I mean? Like two companies that are on the same kind of stratosphere. If I send my stuff to Beyond Wrestling to get, to get booked, like, you know, seeking out work. And then if Chikara messages me asking, like inquiring about me working for them. At the end of the day, if I get in a conversation with promoters or whoever's in charge I'm not going to value myself differently according to if they ask me or if I ask them. Yeah. If I – like no matter what, at the end of the day, when they ask me for whatever my wage is, I'm going to tell them what my wage is. So I don't don't see any issue in seeking out work and whether that's with finding a toy deal or something like that. If it's going to make me money, I have no shame in seeking it out. Why Mm -hmm. would I? Mm
0: Mm-hmm. But no, I understand. I mean, it's a completely different area, but, you know, I'm self-employed and uh, do commissions uh, musically and stuff like that. And I have to I have to find the work because, you know, I'm uh, not saying that you have to find the work, but that's kind of, you know. No, specific. you do have to find the work. You always have to find the work. If you didn't go, like,
2: you know what I mean? Like, I, I don't, there's not many, I would say most of my bookings have come from me seeking out bookings. Mm-hmm. If it weren't for me annoying WXW (laughs) for a year and a half, I wouldn't be where I am right now.
0: Well, and that's a good thing, and that's why I I think that you know we will get off we will close the show quite soon because I did say that like 10 minutes ago but um you know that's why I appreciate that you have allowed me to be a pain and constantly do these interviews and stuff (laughs) um you know with with the Todd Pettengill thing I had to message him like for six months before he actually eventually did it and I think I got it at the expense of like Sean Mooney doing the podcast because like Sean Mooney now and people like Austin and Jericho are kind of competition for me like not that I even touch what they do in terms of numbers and stuff like that but if they get a name, let's say, let's say Austin got Ahmed Johnson. Why would he do my podcast after that? You know, right? Um, you know, and, and, and I'm not trying to belittle what I do. Cause I'm proud of the podcast and everything, but like, um, you know, there's no reason why you couldn't, Hey man,
2: I've done, I've done Cabana's podcast
0: mm-hmm.
2: and there's, and um, there's well, no
0: reason not, why not in his original
2: format, but in this new format
0: mm-hmm. and there's no reason why you couldn't do, I wouldn't be asked to do any podcast that's out there to be honest. So, you know, I do um I do really appreciate it. So, um Gene Oakland.
2: Oh man, so I, sad, right?
0: I know. Um How did he die? how did he die? I I don't know. I don't know. Um I, there were there were comments that he was looking ill at conventions, but he still had the wit and everything. But um uh you know it it's not for me to say, but i mean you know i think he was you know he partied hard for like maybe yeah. fifty years i
2: i I've, I've said hello to him i think twice uh so i think i mean that's about it but think, he uh what what the i think it's fair to say he's the best backstage interview ever
0: Yeah. i, I yeah i i made a comment earlier today that I don't think there were many people who knew how to work a camera like Gene Oakland did, like the way he would react to wrestlers. Like if he felt disgusted by a wrestler, then you were disgusted because, you know, he could come, he could speak for the viewer sort of thing, but he was also a ton of fun. And, you know, I think.
2: He was great. He was great. Yeah. Uh, He, he, he was great at, you know, what's so annoying. So like, now, when I watch when I watch like in this in the, like the heavily scripted era
1: mm-hmm.
2: of uh interviews, you see like the interviewers always like get left by themselves like the wrestler <laughs> walks off, right? Yeah and they just have this like silent look <laughs> where they just look at the camera, they just or they look off camera and they just like shake their head. Yeah. Or it's like or they like, something like that. And it's kinda like, uh when when did Mean Jean ever have that moment? Like he was always like he was as much as the rest. He highlighted the wrestler. He was also a character in and of himself. In and of itself, like now it's almost it, it, it's a different time period because rest the the interviewer is not supposed is supposed to be more anonymous than anything, mm-hmm. for the most part. Um, but Mean Gene wasn't. Uh, he stood out. Everybody knew Mean Gene. Like you know, everybody knew Mean Gene Okerlund. Like. Um, well, the, the, Man, the, there's what a, a shame.
0: there's a like he plays a, a journalist and he had combative questions and would argue with the wrestler as well. Whereas that's what it's supposed to be. Yeah, and now watching, you know, and and again, like I say, I would never mock any wrestler's ability or anything like that. But I, but in terms of presentation and maybe having the show put together by people who aren't necessarily wrestling fans, sometimes like um. It seems like the person asked the question, but then they're not really listening to the answer. You you, you know what? Yeah, because it's because it's
2: I I feel really weird about about sometimes when I watch interviews and I'd almost rather it just be like the 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 promos directly to the camera type thing that they used to do.
1: Yeah,
0: because
2: there's an element of realism when it comes to a person just talking Versus someone reading off a script and like now you know like – so the camera – this weird positioning and I think anyone listening knows what I'm talking about. When you watch like – when you watch uh, promos now where it's like the camera is directly in front of them but they're looking like not at the interviewer who's directly next to them. Yeah. But they're looking at like a 45-degree angle
1: Mm
2: -hmm. Uh, and you kind of know that somebody's there like with the lines just in case they forget.
0: Or something. It's one of my biggest gripes. And, and what you said about the, uh, the wrestler just walking off and then the interviews just stood there. The interviewer, if, if this was really, really real and it's a live show. Who they, fucking does that? Yeah, they would need to throw it back to the ring or give a cue or something. Like, you there, know. There should be something. It should be something where you're there and then you, they answered the question. Yeah. And then if they want to be
2: combative and they want to be, does that answer your question? Mm-hmm. Or, you know what I mean? Like, you can still be a dick. Mm-hmm. but even the good guys like walk off without like, it's almost like these, it's almost like in movies and TV when you see people have phone calls and they don't say goodbye and they just <laughs> hang up and you're like, who does that? Yeah. You're like, unless you're mad, you don't just go like, all right, I'll
0: see you. Like there's always a sign off, mm-hmm. you know, <laughs> like, like no, I don't know, man. That There has to be. And I think what, what an issue is as well is that they generally don't acknowledge the cameras anymore, like at all. And, I think it's almost like they forget. And I think this is partly why viewership may be down is that it's not like they they don't acknowledge that there's a TV audience out there. It's almost like they're just acknowledging the audience in the arena. And I, I, I almost, there's like, you know, it's a weird thing to set. Like, so like during like
2: the, the way I can think about it, because this is kind of like when I watch TNA, like at least every other week, Mm. um, was like Bobby Roode's title reign.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And like, there's that element of TNA. I don't know if TNA still does this, um, where there's an element of almost like, like there's stuff happening backstage, but the ca- it's not like, it's not set up like a TV, like it's not set up like a TV show where they're not supposed to know the cameras are there. And then these scenes happen on camera, but they, you know what I mean? Like, uh, it's kind of like, almost like a camera is following things around and they're just trying to catch stuff. And you'd see the moments on TNA where they would kind of like sneak the camera into the office. Yeah. You know what I mean? That almost comes off more realistic.
0: No, I I totally agree. When you see like three people on Raw or whatever, just in a room and they're not directly facing each other they're at that 45 degree angle not even for an interview just for a conversation and th- like they're saying something that could even meant it, it, like oh don't tell anyone but this is a secret that i'm going to tell you it's like there's a fucking camera there. could you not see that there's a man or a woman holding a camera that is connected to the world and you're telling someone yeah, there's a, a weird
2: there's a like but there's a weird thing there's a weird thing like that right because like wrestling is this wrestling plays tricks on itself all the time doesn't it like where we're supposed to uh like sometimes the camera's there and the audience hears. it's one of those things that like yeah the audience knows it but nobody else on the roster is supposed to know it
1: yeah
2: like it's just one of those things like it's just to let the audience know it's almost like in theater like in theater if you're watching something and you watch a private scene between two actors the audience knows what happened, and then that actor goes off and pretends like it didn't happen because when he sees, you know what I mean?
0: Yeah, yeah. And, and with it, wrestling generally is and, and like stick with me on this. It's kind of it's a it's a real world where like sort of the 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 supernatural things kind of don't can't happen because it's a live show featuring real people. It's not like a movie. Where it's like another universe. I mean, but okay, literally, yeah, wrestling, wrestling literally, is, under, literally wrestling underground established that from its the start. Own
2: rules all the time.
0: Yeah, it does, and that's partly why I kind of like that, and the zooming in and out of the camera when there's like the ten punches in the corner or whatever. Like it just like I don't. That's know. a
2: new thing, isn't
0: it? Yeah, it's it's a new thing, but it's it's awful, and I've been told by wrestlers that it's because they're not making very good contact anymore. So it almost distracts you from the fact that they're not making very much contact with punches by having the camera zoom in and out. It's
2: it's the same thing. Like um, with all the different camera cuts they do. Yeah. um, A lot of times, apparently not just in moments of action or like beat downs and stuff. A lot of times uh, just from what I, I was told when I started is like, it makes it seem like the action's moving faster. Mm-hmm. than it actually is. Because when you watch a a when you watch a real proper wrestling match, you know, I mean, well, I think everybody's heard the like the, the veterans adage, like slow down. Like if you don't think if you think you're going too slow, go slower. Mm-hmm. Um like that's what they tell wrestlers to do, to let everything sit. But then when you have the camera cuts and stuff, it just looks like it's moving a little quicker. So it's a little more it's a little easier to watch, I guess, as opposed to just like watching a slow methodical wrestling match
0: sometimes. That's true. I, I've got a, um, literally two more things. Yeah. So when you, do, when you do a promo or if it's like a YouTube um, thing, to like the thing where uh, you receive the match against uh, PAC, do you prefer promos that there is an interviewer asking you the questions or do you prefer it kind of the direct camera by um, yourself sort of thing?
2: It it really depends. I don't think it's a real preference. I think it's just like it is what it is. Like if they tell you that there's going to be an interviewer there, you just try and make it make you try and make it as legit as like, you know, as good as it can be. Like yeah. whatever the circumstances you're given, because it, it's there's sometimes when you know, it's funny. It's It goes to, like if you're told that you're doing a promo with an interviewer, sometimes I've said, I think this works better without an interviewer. And then they'll do it, but it's never the other way around usually,
1: mm-hmm.
2: or it's rarely the other way around, I should say. So it's never, it's rarely like where I don't have an interviewer and I go, Hey, can we get someone to interview me? Maybe it'll work better. <laughs> like, but the other way around, usually the places I've worked for are good with listening to their talent. And yeah. if they say, Hey, I think this might work better if it's just myself doing this. Um, but yeah, like we said, like we just said, like wrestling breaks its own rules all the time. Um, wrestling doesn't have rules. It has the illusion of rules and whatever ones we decide to make relevant uh, it, in that moment as well. Because, I mean, hell, the five count, the referee's five count is it, is supposed to be like subjective. It's supposed to be at the referee's discretion. Mm-hmm. They don't have to five count you. That just means they're giving you the opportunity to not get disqualified. A referee could say, like if you choke somebody on the ropes... And you see them do the one, two, three, four. You know, right before they get to five, they they let go. Yeah. So it's not a disqual. If they go and choke them on the ropes again, they could just be like, "No, fuck that! Throw the match out."
1: Yeah.
2: That's no. breaking the rules. Mm. They no, can do that at any point in time. The five count is the... so wrestling breaks its own rules constantly.
0: Yeah, it's true. Um, I probably shouldn't. Again, I've seen The Undertaker rise to heaven. I shouldn't really. Like. Yeah. No, no. That's, well, that's, the thing. Like,
2: that's the thing I always get. I, I've, I think I've said it publicly a bunch of times. Um, people talk about realism and they talk about, oh man, he just no sold that. Oh, that's so fake. Blah, blah, blah. Yo, the most respected man, rightfully so, in the business, in the history of the business, is an undead zombie cowboy biker wizard that shoots lightning bolts Again. and has been dead and undead how many times?
0: I Stop. I agree, and this is why I'll stick up for, you know, your mantos and all that kind of thing, because you never know what will work. You know, an, an undead zombie you don't. biker wizard is no more ridiculous than a wrestling Elvis impersonator, you know, or whatever, and you really don't know No, what.
2: it's the truth. Yeah. It doesn't matter. If you think about, on its surface, The Undertaker... Like, And if you just think about what the character is supposed to be originally, like before he became American Badass and all that stuff, what the core of the character is, is supposed to be a, a, the dead man.
1: Yeah.
2: Right? It's supposed to be this zombie character, really. Um, that is the corniest bullshit you could ever think of. In, but but the, the character of the Undertaker, the wrestler, the performer, made it work. Because he's the best. Yeah. Like. So I mean anything can work. If The Undertaker can work. And not only work. Be the most respected. Best performer. In the history of our industry. Any gimmick can work.
0: I agree. There was no
2: reason why the Funkasaurus couldn't have been. (laughs) Main eventing WrestleMania.
0: Mm -hmm. I totally agree. Um, Well. One thing before we actually do pimp the show. I don't know if you saw the uh, latest video from Jack Sexsmith. Um, The Q&A. It was amazing. That was one of the most gripping things I think I've seen in a very long time. Incredible. Wrestling or otherwise. If you don't know about this, uh, find Jack Sexsmith on Facebook um, and watch that video. On Twitter. They'll find him on
2: Twitter easier probably. Right.
0: Okay. Okay. yeah, no, incredible. I d- I don't want to give too much away about it as well because it just it, it talk about something going a complete one hundred and eighty, uh, but doing it so he
2: he sent me that he sent me that like a couple weeks ago, mm-hmm. two weeks ago maybe, mm-hmm. and when he sent that to me, I told him this is so good, and he was really he was kind of really nervous about it, um, but I was like, yo, man, this is. So so good. Yeah, that was one of, like, honestly, that's a like a next level promo.
0: Yeah, and and it was the way that it, that it wasn't just like a really a promo either. It was in the context of a Q and A, um, and great yeah i I, okay. I can't say enough good things about it but uh, you must check it out but right i'm gonna let you go because we've probably went about two hours now and i'm gonna have to edit the <laughs> shit out of this uh because oh sorry about that no no it's entirely my fault for listeners there were questions that I asked that we felt probably should be cut and then my internet cut out about four times and one of them was because of the cat um so yeah um there are still there are tickets available standing tickets are available at ticketmaster if you go through um uh we are defiant um for the january the 5th show at the o2 academy um defiant loaded uh and it, was, it, it is you against pack and i am very excited to see that i'm i'm pumped man it's going to
2: be it's going to be real good uh and i hope everyone can can see it i hope whoever's there enjoys it i hope whoever can get there can get there and if you can't it'll be on defiant wrestling's youtube channel as well uh and if you want to find me any other way or keep listening to me or whatever most of my conversations that i have online aren't as good as the conversation we're having on this podcast however <laughs> uh you can still follow me on twitter instagram uh, or pretty much any other social media thing at the product ds Facebook, just find David Starr. You can, if you want to book me, the product, David Starr at gmail.com, you can check out my website, theproductds.com, which is uh, pretty much consistently under construction as far uh, it's still available to be checked out, but it's always being worked on right now uh, by my wonderful webmaster Dan Mitchell from Not Falling Studios, um, which has direct links to my merchandise stores, uh dot com slash davidstarr, pros and teescom slash david sl-wrestling.de/david-star, uh, and that was all through. I don't remember if I said it. The product ds.com. Um, yeah,
0: what a, what a pro! Sick. What a pro! You've got it down to a T. Um, and for those traveling outside of Newcastle, uh, there is a dessert place just uh, across the road from the O2 Academy. So it's everything you could possibly ever want.
2: There's so much good stuff outside of the O2 Academy in Newcastle. It's all over the place. It's, it's everywhere. You mm-hmm. can find something. It's in pretty much in the heart of Newcastle. So it seems last time I was there, I saw a bunch of people out partying and having a great time. Uh, it seems that there's a lot of stuff to do. There's plenty of hotels. There's plenty of good times. So, so when you come to the wrestling show right afterwards, go out, have yourself a really sick time. Uh, don't drink and drive. Everybody. <laughs> remember that Flint, remember that Flint, Michigan in America still doesn't have clean water. Mm-hmm. And, um, uh, let's think Mitt Romney's a douchebag. Paul, <laughs> Paul Ryan loves rich people. Uh, Mitch McConnell is basically looks like Dana Carvey in the master of disguise. And what else do we got? Donald Trump's a piece of shit. Hey, Nancy Pelosi and fucking Mitch. And, um, what's his name? The other guy, Chuck Schumer, please please. Grow some nuts and stand up to Republicans and actually push for a progressive agenda. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Uh, I was literally. I was was literally. Free university. (laughs) Fucking. What else can I put out there? End the death penalty. Um, Fucking. uh, What what other things can I just shill out there?
0: I was was literally just about to say that it's unbelievable that we didn't go into politics considering how much. you talk about uh, Donald Trump on your wall and, you know, in a negative sense. Well, Trump's you know. not
2: the problem. The Democrats are really the problem. And the Democrats are the problem because they love corporate PAC money and they love taking a legalized bribery. Go to OpenSecrets.org and you can see all of the no- donations every U.S. politician is taking legally. <laughs> you can see the bribes that they're taking legally. And you can see... Who's taking those fucking bribes and who's willing to sell out voters for donors? You can see it. Uh, Medicare for all and the death penalty. Tuition free university. Green New Deal. (laughs) All of it. Push for it. Justicedemocrats.com. Wolf-pack.com. TYT.com. Go.
0: (laughs) Beautiful. You like um, uh, David the Body Ventura, I guess. No.
2: Jesse the
0: Body Ventura. Oh, no, no, you're David the Body Ventura with like conspiracy theories. <laughs> oh, Danny and... the Body Ventura.
2: Yeah. I would love it. I would love it, considering <laughs> that we're both we're both huge superstar Billy Graham fans. I think that would work. This out.
0: is true. We didn't talk about Billy Graham next time we're going to talk about Billy Graham so much. Um, next time. Okay. Do it. Thank you. I think we went uh, the hour and a half Broadway. Um we'll uh see how much I can do. i I'll, I'll see how listenable I can make this mess. <laughs>
2: Make but, sure you make sure you include all this. Make sure you include all the stuff at the very end that I mentioned about Medicare for all and ending the death penalty and stuff like that.
0: It's all getting kept in, apart from the bit that we said we wouldn't keep in. So yeah, um, and everyone's just like, yeah. oh my god, what what is it? But yes, thank you again, and uh, we'll talk again soon.
2: Okay, sure, sounds good, man.
0: Goodbye. Goodbye. Goodbye.